uh, let's get out our Bibles and go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Or if you know him really well, you might call him Jim or Jimmy. Father, we're so thankful today for your goodness and your kindness, thankful for your love and mercy toward us. Now as we've gathered together, Father, we're here to meet with you. We're here because we want to hear from heaven. We want to, we want to hear your word. Give unto us, I pray, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened today. Thank you for the abundance of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. James chapter 4 and verse 8. James 4 verse 8. Just the first part of that verse for now. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The uh, New Living Translation reads this way. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. There has been a stir in my heart for a number of months now concerning our relationship with Him and concerning our proximity to Him, you might say, and this message and how we can remove any gap. And make our relationship with God to be what He had in mind a long time ago. And so I want to start today with a series that I believe is going to be revolutionary in many people's lives. And I've decided to call it Close. Drawing Near to God. Alright? And say, well, aren't all Christians close to God? In some respect, in some way of explanation, but as you'll see, not all. And what I can see from this verse, first of all, is there is something that we can do to get God to come close to us. That's an amazing thought. I can do something, and by doing that, God will come close to me. And we can see the answer is, if we will draw close or go close to Him, then He will respond to that and come close to us. Now, I know this way of thinking might fly in the face of what some other teaching has seemed to convey. In fact, I can recall making a statement in another series on the grace of God, and I started off in one point saying uh, that your relationship with God is never going to be and can never, cannot ever be any better than it is right now. And that was shocking to some. But how many know the, the Scriptures in many different areas will say one thing and in another place say something else on face or surface level, they look like they're contradicting. They look like they're saying opposites, 
And some, without any kind of depth of understanding or maturity at all, will jump on it and say, see, the Bible contradicts itself. But anyone who would look a little bit deeper will see, no, there's a great truth to be known here. There's a great truth to be seen. Likewise, it is in the case of what we're talking about here today. Okay. Is it true that every believer, every person who has received the sacrifice of Jesus and has been born again is close to God? The answer is yes. In one manner of description, you can't get any closer to God than to be in Christ. He said He'd never leave us. His Spirit indwells us. I mean, how much closer can you get? I mean, that's pretty much there, right? We're, we are right there. And that's true. Every born-again child of God has that. That doesn't go away from day to day and go up and up one day, down the next day. That is a constant in every person who has put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. But also, we have scriptures like this that talk to us about drawing near or coming close. So this is obviously not speaking about a person getting saved, although that same approach kind of works in that context. But you see the verse, uh, the first chapter of this book in the second verse, he says, my brethren, count it all joy. So James is not writing to unbelievers here. He's not talking to a lost world saying, you guys need to get saved, dudes. No, he's talking to believers who, for whatever reason, have become separated or there's become a space between them and the Lord. Now, we know this. Spiritually, if they've been born again, there is no space there. But we're talking about in their heart. We're talking about in their soulish realm. We're talking, it is possible for someone to be a believer, yet have a gap between them and the Lord in their daily life, in their prayer time, in their relationship with God. And if you read the context of this, of this passage in this, this book, you'll find out that James, James was a pastor here. His church, there was a lot of backslidden folks in there. Because he was really getting on their case. In one place, in fact, just a few verses earlier, he called them adulterers and adulteresses. Why? Well, not because he was talking about physical uh, sins that they have committed, but he was talking about their relationship with God. How many know you can't do that unless you're married? So he wasn't saying, dudes, draw near to God or you're going to hell, man. No, they were still a part of the family. They were still, quote, brethren. They were still married to the Lord, but there had come some space that uh, was being occupied with other things. And if there's ever a space between you and the Lord, that the world will try to fill that void. Worldly things, lust for other things, all kinds of junk will fill that space. But if we can remove that space, and so we're not only like this with the Lord in spirit, but also in practice and in relationship, and there is an intimacy between God and us, then everything is going to change. Everything is going to be different in how we relate to Him and how we live our lives in the earth. 
And so whether or not we have a close relationship with God is completely up to us. It's not about the Lord just dropping in on us one day and saying, Hey, He said, If you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. So the proximity of myself and God is up to me. I can determine how close or how far I'm going to live with Him. Everybody with me? Okay. This is essential for us to know because it's all in our control. It's all up to us whether this happens or whether it doesn't happen. Now, uh, many times people have this idea that God wants one thing and we want something else. Like the things that I desire in life, the things that I want in life, those are not really the same things that God wants. And so I'm constantly trying to get Him to be on the same page with me. I want Him to, to, to give me the things that I need. But the reality is, and this is where we need to, I, I want to focus in on. The reality is God is the initiator of every good thing in our lives. It is not that it starts with us and then it goes to God. It might seem like that from just that verse, draw near, and then He will draw near. So it's all about us, really. If you look at the big picture, we didn't start this, but He did. And our drawing near is actually a response to Him saying, come here. And then when we respond to him, he has been given permission at that point to approach us and embrace us fully. Everybody with me? So he starts it. He is the alpha and we're the in the middle and he's the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He does the calling. He, he, he does the he chose you and he called you. And if we'll respond and say yes and draw near to Him, then He wraps this thing up. And here we are. It's kind of like, uh, Amy, come on over here. Uh, it's similar to how relationships work in the natural. Men are often uh, ones who will pursue a woman. And they'll be going through their life and, oh. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and notice... Uh, someone that they desire, that they uh, desire to make the object of their affection. But how many know just because uh, I want her, that's the game's not over yet, right? Because <laughs> a lot of times, you know, that's all there is. <laughs> Truthfully, that's the same way it is with the Lord. Okay? But I chose her, I pick her, I set my eye on her and want her in my life. And so I somehow, I make that known to her that I want her in my life. What must happen next? She's got to respond in a positive way or she must draw near. She must respond to my call in some way. And if she starts making a, an effort towards me, then what do I do? Then I draw near to her. And what happens? Where, where are we now? We are close. Right? <laughs> so, 
similarly, it works that way in the kingdom of God. He, he sets, God has set his affection on you. Oh, he loves you so much and wants you. But he's a perfect gentleman. And he'll not force himself. He'll not push you or he'll not just jump into your life. But he will endeavor to make himself known. And if we'll pay attention at all and we'll listen to him, he's saying, come. And if we'll respond to that and take a step towards him, here we go. Now there's a joining. Now there's a connection. Amen. And it seems to be that that is really a good picture of salvation. But also now in our day-to-day life, as far as in our heart and how we relate to him, it seems to be somewhat continual. Where we can choose on a regular basis to draw near to him. You see, God has always given us one of these. We can be going through life, busy with our own stuff. We got our own plan and our own agenda and all this stuff. Every time we look at the Lord, though, how many know what he's doing? Not like, come here, you're in trouble. <laughs> but he is calling. He is he, he's wanting us. He's, he, he's wanting us to walk closely with him, to fellowship, to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. But that gap is there if we want it to be there. He's not just going to come up and bear hug. You know what I'm talking about? But the moment we stop getting our eyes off ourselves and our own agenda and all the things of this life, and we look over to him and say, that's what I want. I want you, Lord, in my life. I want you to fill me to the full. And we take a step towards him. Now you've just given him permission because he won't intrude. You've given him permission to do what he wanted from the very beginning. He wanted to walk close. He wanted to embrace. He wanted to fill your life with every good thing. But by us turning that way, man, here we go. And this is what I want to show you. I want to give you several scriptures. You can write some of these down. You can look them up. Uh, you can listen. Uh, but several scriptures, because here's the, here's the point I really want to get to you today in starting off this series. And that's this. You are God's idea. He is not your idea. This relationship is not your idea. It's His idea. And going all the way back in Scripture to the very first verse. Anybody know that one? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Remember what it says? In the beginning, man had an idea. No. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Why is there heavens and earth? Because God wanted them. Yeah. Why why do I say it that way? It's His idea. It's His plan. It's not something that we have come up with. It's not something that we're trying to sell Him on. Lord, if you could kind of like take care of this place. We need your help. It's His idea. It's His baby. The 26th verse of that same chapter, Genesis 1, 26. Remember what that said? And God said, let us make man. Now, us there, who's us? That's the, 
the Godhead or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Again, whose idea are we? We are God's idea. You are God's plan. Some people feel like, I am totally an accident. <laughs> I, uh, this was an oops. <laughs> no, no. You and I are God's plan, even to this degree. All right. The, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit got together and said, let's make them hmm, just like us. In our image. In our likeness. I don't know if we realize that's a pretty big deal. We've been made like him you can say we're like god or you could say god's like us according to creation now we know this sin has entered the world and so there's some flaws there's some irregularities uh there's some issues and so forth but even take all that out because that's all temporary all right for us it's temporary Uh, From the very get-go, though, we are God's plan and God's idea. The fact that we have tastes and preferences, personalities, we like some things, and some of us like some things, others like other things. You know, why do you like the color blue and and, and the taste of ice cream? And, and, uh, you know, why do you like to do certain things and, and have certain hobbies? I believe that the vast majority of these things, well, everything that's you know, not sinful in some way. It's because God likes those things. It's in God's heart. He likes them and He made us and now we like them and we're a lot like Him. And we should never approach Him or prayer or anything as if our heart's desires are so foreign and so unmeaningful to God that this is just us and if I could get God to get on on board with me, See, that's wrong. The very reason I like it and want it, it's because He's in me and because I'm created by Him. This is His plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. You are not your own idea. You're God's idea. So He has a vested interest in your life. He delights in seeing you do well and succeed and be blessed. Revelation chapter 4. See, see, creation was not influenced by anything that we did. We have not even shown up to mess it up. It was just all God's plan. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. I'm going to read this from the, the King James Bible. King James Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure... They are and were created. Think about it now. Someone says, why did God make us? Why did God create? Here's why. For His pleasure. Not for His disappointment. (laughs) Not so He can go, oh, what did I do? (laughs) Why did God create us? Some translations just say because of His will. In other words, you could say He wanted to. Right, Or you could say it as this translation says, be, uh, that it was uh, for thy pleasure that they are created. God takes pleasure in your life. He takes pleasure in me. Yeah. He looks at you and me. 
I think, probably like parents look at their little kids and see them and they say something that's, uh, you know, cute or whatever or profound. They do something, they skilled at something, and we take pleasure in that. God takes pleasure in our lives. Know that this is His heart towards you. All right? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When did He die for us? When we got our act together? When we cleaned up the mess? When we really said we were sorry and pursued Him with all our heart? While we were yet sinners. Again, this shows us This relationship that we have with God today was initiated by Him. It was initiated by Him. He chose us even while in a sinful state and said, I love them so much to the degree I will send my only Son to be a sacrifice that they might receive life and be forgiven. Amen. John 6, 44. John 6, 44. Jesus said here, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now think about that. We think sometimes that we decided to get saved. We think, well, I was, you know, just at a rough place in my life, and so I decided to give my life to the Lord and and, and get saved. Or, you know, I was really looking at it. I did the math. Come to find out, this was the best choice to make. I ran the pros and cons, decided to get saved. Now I'm a part of God's family. Biblically speaking, that is not how it took place. Even if it seemed to be that way in your own mind. The truth is, before you ever thought of God, He was thinking about you. Before you ever had any desire for a relationship with Him, He desired to have a close, intimate relationship with you. It was God's plan from the beginning. And the very reason someone else prayed for you, that started with God. He stirred their heart and put it there so they would pray. The reason someone else shared the gospel with you is because He moved on them because He was thinking about you. Amen. All of these things originate with God's love for us, not with our love for Him. Not we called upon Him and He, all right, and He came up with a plan. No, before we ever called upon Him, He designed an amazing plan. I was I, I was made aware before I started in pastoral ministry that the that the call of God, the anointing and gift in my life to do what I do was not given for me, but it was given for those to whom I would minister. I mean, God loves me because He just loves me, but He put a gift in my life and called me because He had other people in mind. There's no doubt God has been thinking about you. For many years. Well, in fact, longer than that. Longer than that. I'll show you in a second. But let's not... Many of us have recognized that some point in our life, we started thinking about the Lord. 
Maybe it was a friend or a family member who initiated that, who helped us. But still, we found ourselves pondering the things of God. Some of you might be in that very state right here, right now, where you're not all in and uh, you're just not on, on board, but you're thinking about things. You're endeavoring to be honest intellectually and, and be true and be, and be just, you know, you know uh, not deceptive in any way, but you're thinking about these, these things. It might seem to you to be that, well, that's just what I was doing. That's just what I was thinking about that day. Uh Uh-uh. God has been thinking about you for a long, long time. And He knew you would respond. And at least, I I don't know where the end's going to be. He knows. But you, and it's up to you. But He knows. And those thoughts originate with Him. Again, Jesus said, no one just comes to me. They don't just come to me because they decided. He said, they come because my Father draws them. God gets in your heart and in your mind and starts tugging on you, starts tugging on me. And because it's his desire that we'll say yes, and we'll take a step towards him. Then he can, then he has permission to come in and embrace our lives. Okay. This is God's plan. Ephesians chapter one and verse four. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So when I said he's been thinking about you, it's, been, it's, it's kind of an obsession. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? God has been thinking about us for a long, long time. He said, before the foundation of the world. Say, so how is that even possible? It's simply called in the scripture, it's called foreknowledge. God is able in his, um, in, in his ability to know all things or be omniscient. He is able to look into the future and see, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this one. They're going to say, yes. He saw in the future that you would respond in the positive. And because of that, you know what he did? He planned out amazing things for your life planned out great things so he's been thinking about us for a long time he initiated this jeremiah uh, had a situation the lord spoke to him in the first chap first chapter of that book jeremiah 1 and verse 5 and the lord said before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations and jeremiah thought maybe he came along and and god found him and he's god said no 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 Before you were formed in the womb, I was already thinking about you. I already had a plan for your life. I had already decided, I want that guy. I see that he'll say, yes, he's going to be a prophet for me to the nations. I had an experience not too long ago where I was praying and fellowshipping with the Lord and just enjoying my time. When I say praying, it's most of the time it's not asking a whole lot, uh, most of my prayer life, probably 90%, is, is not asking. It's not making requests. It's worship. It's just talking. It's fellowshipping with the Lord, praying in the Spirit, that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, anyway, I was ministering to the Lord, just spending time with Him. And all of a sudden, uh, He spoke to me, and not in an audible voice, but down on the inside I knew. This was very unique to me, and I'd never heard something this way before. But the, this is the phrase. He said... He said, this is, is the Father's plan. Now, when he said that, 
I immediately knew this was my life and my ministry, our church, what he has called me to do. He said, this is the Father's plan. Here's what else I knew at the moment he said that. He was saying, uh, the Holy Spirit didn't come up with this and Jesus didn't come up with this. The Father did. And that was, that's why I said, this is different. You can judge us however you want. But I thought, Wow. It was really a, I don't know, a cool thing and a heavy-duty thing at the same time. He let me know what you're involved with here in your life. The Father came up with this. He designed it. He planned it. Maybe they had a meeting. I know God is one, but God is also three, right? And the Father said, and I know this is not just true with me. It's why I'm sharing it. But I know he said that to me. And the father said, him, here's what I want to do with his life. I want to do this, this. I want him to do this. I want him to go here, and I want him to be this. And he was talking about me. We, we know the scripture, Jeremiah, remember 29, 11. The scripture said, I, I know the plans that I have for you. And uh, put it up. Thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. In other words, God has a plan. He's been thinking about us. He's think, been thinking about us before we've been thinking about Him. And if you and I, listen, if you've been off, maybe you're, you're saved, you're in the kingdom, but you've been thinking about all kinds of things other than Him, and He's kind of been on the back burner, He hasn't stopped thinking about you. And I'm telling you, if you look towards Him, He'll be saying, come closer. Come closer. And if we'll take that step t- to Him, Now you've given him permission to come and take a step toward you. And there is something that happens and can happen in that place that will not happen anywhere else. I'm going to share more about that in the the coming weeks. But there is something that can transpire in God's embrace where we know and experience his love to a degree that we've never known when we do. When we see Him and experience Him in the fullness of His love, it will blow out every boundary of your life. Things we've been limited by and didn't even know it. They will be blown out when we experience Him on that level, in that intimate place, and know how much He loves us. It will blow out the boundaries. And your life, your, your walk with God will take, take leaps and bounds forward. The way you relate to others and even what you can do in this life will be empowered and enabled like it has never been before. Hurts and things, abuses and things of the past will be broken in that place. There is something so very powerful about God's love and embrace that it is able to fix in a moment what has been years of bondage in people's lives. I'm telling you, you will hear His voice. You will know what He wants to have you do and be in this life like never before. When someone removes that gap of draw near and I'll draw near and there's no more space in between, how many know the still small voice of God is no longer an issue? But if you're across the room and there's a whisper, you're going to be saying, Huh? Huh? What was that, Lord? What are you trying to say to me? And how many know there's a lot of that going on? And I've experienced that myself. But when the proximity is so close, 
you can see facial. You know, when you're talking to a person, you see body language. You communicate through eyes and, 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 and through, through these things. Is it possible for us to have a relationship with Him that is that deep, Amen. that real, that tight, if you will? I think we've been limited in our thinking about Him by religious ideas, by traditions of the past, by our previous experience. And we've been limited in our relationship with God, not in a spiritual sense, but in a practical way within our heart. There's been stuff that has gotten in the middle. And it makes that communication hard to understand. It makes knowing Him in His fullness just more complicated. But it doesn't have to be. In the coming weeks, that's what my intention is, is to identify some of those things so we can blow them out of the water. Remove those out of our thinking and allow our relationship with God to soar like never before. Uh, praise God. Jesus said in John six thirty seven, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Isn't that good news? You're coming to Him, you're not getting the boot. You're coming to Him, He's not going to say, Now, who let you in here? You've got issues. You clean your, your act and then come back. No, 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 no. We come to Him and He's not going to kick any of us out. Go to Mark chapter 3. We'll finish up over there today. Mark, the third chapter. Reading over here in the 13th verse. It says, Then He, He is Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to Him those He Himself... What's that word? Wanted. Does the Lord Jesus call those to himself that he doesn't want? No. The very fact that we're here, you know what? God wanted you. He wants you in his life. So I want God in my life. He wants you in his life. His life is missing something if you're not there. And so he calls those not who he hates, not who he's annoyed with, he calls those he wants. Hmm. Say, well, I know some people who are saved and they are very annoying. Well, <laughs> to you they are. But God has found in them, God has found in that person something that he wants. And I know this, God also sees the potential. Because we come to him with a lot of baggage. And I think he sees the potential of what we are after we get in his presence. It says, and they came to him, verse 14, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Notice, why did Jesus appoint the 12? That they might be with him and that they that he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. What did he not do? He it didn't say and he called them. He picked out 12 and he said, "You guys come here. I want you to go do something for me. I want to give you an assignment to go and minister and heal the sick." No, he said, "I want you to come and be with me." 
That is the first and foremost thing that God wants out of all of our lives. We are not just here to work for God. We are here to be with Him. It has always been about an intimate, personal relationship with God. And if we substitute anything else for that, we've totally missed the point. We've missed His plan. And we make everything else more difficult. Whenever we put performance before presence, it's not going to work right. And when that happens, and so frequently it does, we put performance before presence, we get into a place where we do not have time for presence because we're too busy doing the work of God. And it's not like I'm talking about doing bad things. People are endeavoring to be obedient and do the work of the Lord. But they've switched those two things into the wrong order. And if you're busy performing for the Lord, you will run out of time and you will not ever experience presence. But if we will put being with Him, presence first, then, Lord, okay, I'm ready to go do what you've called me to do, everything will work out, will work out right. This is God's plan. This is the way He designed it to be. Amen. How how many ministers have fallen and gotten burned out and gotten into trouble because they were so busy doing the work of God that they didn't have time for His presence? But we are making choices. If we don't have time to draw near to Him, that's because we chose to not have time to draw near to Him. But when we do that, and we do that first, and say, Father, the most important thing in my life is just knowing you, being with you, being in this relationship, hearing your voice, that relationship, it will cause strength, anointing, ability, and power. Everything will flow out of that into the performance side. Into, Lord, what do you want me to do? But if we reverse the roles, everything will be messed up. God didn't call us just with mission in mind. He first and foremost wanted fellowship. And we missed the mark. We put what we do for God ahead of what He did for us. When we skip just being with Him and dive into working for Him. See, we hinder His plan. How much will change in God's presence? How much about your life will change? How many know it's hard to even quantify that? But it's the magnitude. I just know there's not a thing that can't be fixed there. There's not anything outside of His reach. But if we're living at arm's length, if we're living with that gap, then we're also not accessing all that He wants to do, or we're not giving Him permission to fully embrace and show us His very best. Do you want His presence in your life? He wants yours. Do you want to hear His voice? He wants to hear your voice. Remember, this is His idea. You are His plan. And from that position now, from that place... 
I encourage you, meditate on these things this coming week. From that place, I think we can launch. I think we can go forward. I think we can move and take where our, our relationships, our walk with God from where they're at to a much deeper level, to a much more intimate place. And the experience of Him, I think, is going to blow some minds away. I mean, people are going to come out of this saying, this is way better than I thought. I think that's the only conclusion you can truly draw draw from that intimacy with God. He is guaranteed to blow your mind. He is guaranteed to out... Uh, think you out, dazzle you, whatever you might say. He does exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. That's the end result of this. And if we want that, it's not hard again. His idea. We're just going to respond to Him and draw close. And draw close in our heart to Him like never before. And praise God, this is going to be a time and a season of God's presence, of His glory and manifest presence in our lives. And watch it increase in the, in the public gatherings, in the, in the corporate meetings we do as well. All right, let's pray today. Father, we love You so much because You first loved us. We thank You for Your design and Your plan. We thank You for working in our hearts and in our lives and making everything right. Thank You for doing good things in our lives, even today. Lord, You've been thinking about us. We're going to make sure that we are thinking about You, too. Lord, You've been drawing us and calling us close, so we respond and and draw near to You. We draw near in our hearts. We draw near by the blood of Jesus without shame and guilt. Without anything wrong, we draw near to you. We draw near to you. And here we are in your very presence. Thank you, Lord. It's the place we've always wanted to be, it's the place you've called us to live to experience you. And so we open our hearts and our minds and we embrace the fullness of your love. Thank you that we're accepted in you.